Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, I mean we're loving it. Um, I mean you see what you see what the fans have done with with twenty five percent. So, you know having having essentially twice that amount is it's going to be huge for us, and and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a loud stadium. And you know even even the last couple of weeks with with a quarter percent um, with a, or with a quarter of the the capacity that that we're allowed, you know it's it's been louder than than I've ever heard it in in my three years of being here. So. So we're all super excited uh, to have it at 50, and I know the fans are too. And that, of course, the voice of South Carolina veteran Andrew Eichter, outfielder and middle-of-the-order hitter for the Gamecocks, getting ready for this showdown with uh, number one Arkansas starting uh, on Thursday. A Thursday, Currently a Thursday, Friday, Saturday matchup. Um, if we're sort of looking into our crystal ball, may actually turn into a Thursday, Friday, Friday matchup potential doubleheader we'll we'll wait and see you know an official announcement on that but the Gamecocks getting ready for a marquee matchup marquee series and uh, just like we said yesterday we had a Tuesday show this week we're going to treat we're going to give this matchup the uh, sort of football week game day type uh, treatment as far as how we we cover it here on the show how we cover it on the site and then um, assuming there, uh, there still is a spring game on Saturday. We're going to maybe give the spring game the real game treatment on Friday as well. So uh, welcome into the show. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, of course. Hopefully everybody got the memo. Hopefully everybody is going to join us shortly here in the chat. What's up to everybody that already is in? And, of course, uh, what's up to our friend and presenting sponsor, that is Clint Hammond. Check out Clint at clinthammond.com or give him a call, 803 803- Seven seven one six nine three three. Clint is, of course, uh, with the Mortgage Network here in Columbia, right across the road from Greer High School. If you are in the uh, market for a new home, maybe uh, maybe you've been thinking about trading up. Uh, give Clint a shout; he can find you a great interest rate. Or if you just want to maybe save a little bit of money by refinancing, which a lot of people are doing right now, Clint is your guy. So again, that's Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com. Eight zero three seven seven one. Six nine three three, Gamecocks number one Arkansas coming to town. Chris, you know I, I, I kind of think, dude, this is one of those weekends. A, if you're a sports fan, this is like why you sort of even follow sports. Um, if you're a South Carolina fan, don't you know? Let, let's not let weekends like are coming up sort of. Uh, go by without acknowledging like, Hey, this, this is, this is why you pull for your team. This is what you hope for is to be in the conversation where these games matter. And, uh, you know, for a long time, you know, we've talked about it in, on the football side of things. It's been a while since South Carolina has been in one of these sec matchups where it matters in the standings. It matters in sort of where you're going to be postseason wise. We got used to that all the time was Steve Spurrier was the football coach. You got used to that all the time uh, at the latter part and really most of the Ray Tanner era at South Carolina. It was here or there when uh, when Chad Holbrook was the baseball coach here. And now you, you get a taste of it this weekend. There's going to be several massive series for South Carolina moving forward. But other than postseason play, which is a whole other animal, but – as far as regular season goes, a chance to beat the number one team in the country at your place to continue to move up in the standings in the SEC and to get some some marquee victories on your resume with postseason play uh, fairly close around the corner doesn't get much better than this as far as regular season play goes. Yeah, and I, I think the reality of – 
playing a series against Arkansas and some of the other teams that South Carolina is going to face down the stretch. We talked about this a lot, how difficult the schedule is in SEC play once South Carolina opened it. It does not get any easier. I mean, Arkansas, look at the Mississippi schools. You look at Tennessee, who's even better than anticipated this year. They've been a top 10 ball club this year. South Carolina, it's almost like most weekends, not all, but most weekends for them, it's almost going to be as difficult as if they were in Omaha right now playing. Like these are the types of matchups. Like they're playing series against multiple teams this year that are good enough, A, to make it to Omaha, B, to probably win the whole thing, right? And and they're playing that week in and week out. And so all these are very meaningful. They're all against great opponents. And here's the cool thing for South Carolina is this, Wes, that you feel like South Carolina is right there with all these teams because they've proven that they can pretty much play with anybody this year based on what we've seen so far. Now, we'll have to see how it plays out against Arkansas, against the Mississippi schools, against Tennessee. How's, how's the postseason go? We don't know any of that stuff. But we do know this is a team that is a postseason team. And we know this is a team that's good enough to be a team that can make some noise once it gets to the postseason. But the, these series, like you said, are going to shape that. But I think if you even just boil it down very simply, it's just this, that Arkansas is really good, South Carolina is really good, and it's going to be a really – cool matchup and should be a really good atmosphere like Andrew Geister was talking about at the beginning of the video there. Yeah, 50% capacity. Um, if you're a South Carolina fan who is dying, um, A, to, to actually get into the stadium, maybe if you haven't been able to go to a game, or B, just to see a little bit better atmosphere, happened to come at a perfect time as far as uh, in the context of, of sports, you know, as far as baseball goes. Uh, should I mean, there, there's been, if you even listening on, you know, on TV, on the radio, there's been some really good atmospheres already. You yep. got to think you're going to have sort of the the some of your most diehard fans are going to be in the building for these games and and should be an outstanding atmosphere. Anytime now, granted, like you said, man, South Carolina they're playing great teams every week, but anytime you face number one, there's an added emphasis. There's a little extra excitement in the building. There's a little extra buzz in the clubhouse if you're South Carolina and. You know, I thought – so, by the way, we're going to be joined – should have let off with this uh, – Andrew Hutchinson, who covers baseball on hogbeat.com. That's the Arkansas rival site. As I said yesterday, not all sites basically cover baseball the way Gamecock Central does or the way the other, you know, networks in the South Carolina market do, the other sites in the South Carolina market do. But there are some markets that do sort of put that emphasis on baseball. Arkansas is one of those. Hogbeat.com is one of those. So we're going to sort of treat this, uh, again, like a big football matchup. So we'll have Andrew Hutchison on to join us uh, actually probably in about five, six minutes to give us the Arkansas perspective, tell us a little bit about what makes this team tick. But I was looking over at their site, just sort of maybe trying to read up on Arkansas a little bit. And as those of you who follow college baseball know, there are way too many polls in, in college baseball. And Something Hogbeat does, or I think maybe we even should just copy this on, on Gamecock Central. They take six of the top polls. That's uh, Baseball America, Collegiate Baseball, D1 Baseball, Perfect Game, the NCBWA, and the USA Today Coaches Poll, and they do basically a consensus, like a, a composite poll. And as good as these teams are that South Carolina has faced – at least to this point, at least according to all the pollsters, Arkansas is the cream of the crop so far. Number one in all six of those polls that I just mentioned. Um, now, the funny thing is, so so actually by, by the composite poll this weekend, and I kind of, like I know this isn't an official poll, I kind of like going by this poll, though, knowing what all goes into it. This is a top ten matchup this weekend. Number one, Arkansas. Number ten, South Carolina, if you take – basically this version that Hogbeat put together. But, dude, you, you look at this poll, Arkansas 1, and you'll, you'll see a trend here, Vanderbilt 2, Texas 3, Mississippi State 4, Tennessee 5. So South Carolina plays literally, has played or will play, all five teams in this poll. Uh, again, South Carolina 10, Ole Miss 12, Florida 14. So, I, I mean, 
just it, no matter how you dice this schedule up, um, it's it, it's a situation where you are going to be if you're South Carolina, like you said, that you're having Omaha weekends like every other weekend of the series of the season, but that prepares you. I I firmly believe that trip to Texas where South Carolina lost all three games, you would say by any meaningful way of determining winners and losers, that that was a losing weekend for South Carolina at Texas, lost all three games. But I firmly believe that prepares you for the rigors of SEC play. Maybe, maybe South Carolina won that third game against Vanderbilt because of being battle-tested at Texas. Maybe they came from behind and beat LSU in game one of the doubleheader this past weekend because of that trip to Texas. You know, you, you never know sort of what these learning experiences – you can't quantify it, but I, I believe it matters. So this is a schedule if South Carolina ultimately survives and gets a good bid in the tournament, you're going to be able to lean back on all these experiences. They're not going to see anything in postseason play – they haven't been consistently seeing throughout conference play. And I think ultimately, if you survive, which South Carolina has done a good job of really giving themselves a little cushion, if you survive, it pays off in the end. It does. And you're exactly right. There will be no shocks for this South Carolina team in the postseason, whether it's SEC tyranny, a, a regional, if South Carolina was able to march to Omaha, every single team in Omaha – South Carolina wouldn't look at any of those guys and go, man, they're just so much better than anybody we play in the regular season. I mean, it might be a bunch of teams on their schedule for all we know. It just depends on how all that shakes out. But, I mean, you're right, man. I mean, Arkansas, when you look at them, going back to them as, as a ball club, and South Carolina is really good too, but we discuss them a lot. To, to look at Arkansas, I mentioned this on yesterday's show, you look at the schedule they've played, it's crazy difficult as well. And a bunch of those top five, top ten teams that you've mentioned, they've beaten. They they've beaten Mississippi State in a in a series. They've beaten Ole Miss in a series. Uh, they beat Texas. They beat Texas Tech in single games at the beginning of the season. Uh, they played, I think, Louisiana Tech, who's top twenty five at the time. They played a lot of really good ball clubs too, and and have not lost a series. And so, same thing for them. So now, at the same time, South Carolina, obviously, a really good team. So it's not like this will be without test for Arkansas as well. This is going to be a, a test for them in addition to that. So uh, we'll be joined shortly by Andrew Hutchison. I just sent him the link. He'll be popping in whenever he gets a chance. They actually were just completing their press conference. So uh, Dave Van Horn, Arkansas head coach, he had his deal, um, I guess, this afternoon. Mark Kingston spoke today on the South Carolina and Andrew Eister, as you heard a little bit from if you were here at the very beginning of the show. He uh, He spoke as well. So uh, Colin Taylor, of course, have all the, the breakdowns, uh, the game stories, the previews, all that stuff on, on Gamecock Central. But uh, we'll have Andrew on here shortly. By the way, I see a couple of comments I'm going to get to before we get to Andrew asking about Mike Woods. Um, as Chris fumbles his microphone, just hopefully, hopefully no fumbles for the Gamecocks on Saturday. Uh, get that one out of the way. But Chris – this Mike Woods thing has taken on a mind of its own. I got I got to tell y'all. I got to go ahead. Just go ahead. I'm not even going to let you down easy. I'm just going to let you down. Don't get your hopes up on that. We we speculated Texas um, yesterday because it made a lot of sense. That could still be the case as we've gathered gathered information. Oklahoma has been the one that has come up the most. I, Chris, I don't know if you've heard or read anything in the last you know, 22 hours since then if there are other teams. But I posted on Gamecock Central yesterday afternoon right after the show. I said Oklahoma is is where to watch. That's the one to look out for. A lot of times, guys, when a team or when a player goes into the portal, he already has a good idea of where he's headed. So um, I would look for a – I would look for a team other than South Carolina. I know everybody is putting – they're uh, putting two and two together and saying, oh, you know, this guy played for Justin Stepp. Lots of respect there. Don't get me wrong. Tons of respect there with Justin Stepp. But I I think if I think the Mike Woods thing for Gamecock fans, you can just go ahead and flush that, 
It's probably not going to be South Carolina, so don't get your hopes up on that one. Um, you still in that same boat, Chris, as well? Yeah, I totally agree with you there, man, from what we've, what we've gathered. And uh, without further ado, let's go out now and bring him in. It's Andrew Hutchinson, our good friend from the Arkansas Rivals site, hogbeat.com. Andrew, I, I was just telling everybody, not all uh, sites, not all sort of network sites cover baseball necessarily the way South Carolina sites do or Arkansas sites do, but it, it's really cool. I, I, I noticed y'all cover baseball about like we do over here, just like almost a, a football weekend. So what, what has the excitement level been like within that fan base for this Arkansas team that is essentially consensus number one right now. I got to imagine there's a lot of excitement in, in y'all's uh, uh, neck of the woods. Yeah, I mean, everybody is is really fired up about this baseball team. Uh, they are uh, – I mean, they're all, there's always an excitement about baseball in Arkansas, and uh, it, it's, it's even more so now, and it's just kind of steadily built. I mean, just think about three years ago at the 2018 team, uh, making it all the way – uh, on the verge of winning a national championship and in la- uh, 2019 making it to the College World Series. And obviously last year the COVID happened, but it just is kind of just steadily built. And I think everyone's expectation now in, is, you know, we're, we're going to make a trip to Omaha. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's – and the way the season has gone this year, it's just – it's reached a fever pitch really. Yeah, Andrew, thanks for joining us, man. Chris Clark here, um, big, big – uh fan of what y'all do over there at Hogbeat. As Wes said, I'll echo that. So looking at this team, obviously off the top of my head, 30 and six, like Wes said, consensus number one, really impressive. I think surface level, just looking at it, you you think of Arkansas and you think of the hitting, but break down, if you can, just broad overview, the strengths of this team, you know, why Arkansas is thriving like they are. And then if you have seen, you know, what are the vulnerabilities, if any, of, of this of this team? Well, the strength is definitely the, the lineup. I mean, they have power one through nine. Uh, you know, I think Matt Goodhart currently leads the team with 11 home runs, but Brady Slavens has 10. A couple other guys have nine or eight, seven. I mean, they've got a guy that hardly ever plays uh, in Charlie Welch, who's like a backup DH. He's technically listed as a catcher. But he's probably the third-string catcher. And he's got five home runs. And so, I mean, it, it's just unreal. I've never seen quite this much power. You know, they've got 70 home runs, and I think they're like 10 ahead of the pace that they had in 2018 when they hit a school record 98 home runs. Uh, so I think they're going to shatter the school record, uh, probably going to lead the country in that category. Uh, so they, they're, just, they're just really good. And they also get on base a lot. I think that kind of gets overshadowed by the power. Uh, but they they have a really good on base percentage. Uh, they're just constantly on base. They they're not afraid to take walks. Uh, they get hit by pitches. Uh, so it, it really just a, a really good approach. The batting average probably isn't as high as maybe you know, traditional fans would like. But when you when you factor in the slugging, the on base percentage, it's a phenomenal offense. Uh, now, as far as potential weaknesses, this is and it's a legitimate weakness. I think is the starting pitching. Uh, this was something I was worried about before the season started, uh, and it's proven to be the case. I mean, there there were several guys that they were looking at as potential weekend starters, uh, but it, it's kind of like you know, when, when you, in football, when you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. That's kind of how I felt about the starting pitching. You, you know, you've got six or seven starters. You don't really have three. Uh, there is no Blaine Knight. There is no Isaiah Campbell on this roster, uh, and so it's been kind of a – a revolving door on the weekend rotation and, and consistently guys are, you know, getting pulled after three, four innings and uh, they're asking the bullpen uh, to do a lot. And so the fact that they are 30 and six at this point is really incredible because just on the, just looking at it right now, like I'm trying to like look at it and say, okay, what is this team capable of winning a national championship? Which when you're right, number one in the country, that's kind of what people are thinking. Uh, that could be what costs them or prevents them from winning the first title in school history is, is their starting pitching, especially when you think, you know, they're probably in line to host. And I think they're pretty they're I don't think they're going to lose at Baumwalker stadium in a, a regional or a super regional. But when you get to TD Ameritrade, the whole thing changes. You can't really rely on, on hitting a bunch of home runs in that ballpark. So that could be 
uh, what kind of holds them back. And who knows, it could lead to some trouble during the second half of the SEC season. You know, Andrew, it, it actually kind of reminds me a little bit. Uh, there are parallels between Arkansas and South Carolina's baseball program. If you go back before basically Ray Tanner's first run at Omaha, where South Carolina went to Omaha three straight times, they were not able to to win the big game, you know, take it all home, but basically had teams every single year that if one thing goes differently for them, maybe they do. Those teams were loaded with power hitters. They got out there, obviously not TD Ameritrade at the time, but they got out there, more spacious ballpark, and and the game just changes a little bit out there. So uh, I think there are definitely parallels, too, with the fan bases sort of being at the point where you're just – you almost lose sight of how hard it is to get to Omaha, and it spoils everybody a little bit. But, man, but let, let's go back to this lineup. I was looking up and down it. Uh, you know, you detailed it a little bit, but uh, – most impressive to me is not just how how well they have hit as far as uh, the power, but but like you said, they're willing to take their walks. And, you know, I look at this weekend, I, I was looking at some SEC stats, and, and South Carolina's pitching staff as far as uh, walks allowed is, um, I don't have the right no- the exact number in front of me anymore, but it's like middle of the pack, you know, not terrible at putting guys on, not outstanding at, you know, avoiding that. And then look at Arkansas – they're like tops in the league in home runs, tops in the league in, in walks, top, tops in the league in slugging and RBIs, I think. So to me, if you're going to go ahead and like circle in statistically on one key this weekend, it's probably that South Carolina avoids putting Arkansas in those positions for the two and three run home runs. These guys are probably going to get their home runs at, from time to time. But I would think the key is not to give them anything from a South Carolina perspective and make them sort of earn that and and make them hit multiple solo shots, it seems. Yeah, I completely agree. You cannot put this offense, you'll give them base runners because they will make you pay. Uh, They they have an ability to, you know, even when they're not hitting home runs, I mean, they can, you know, hit doubles. Uh, They they can, you know, keep a rally going uh, like that. So they, and they feed off each other, it seems like. I mean, there have been so many innings this year where, you know, they've scored five, six, seven runs, uh, and it's just, you know, bam, it happens. And so that, that would definitely be a major key. Uh, and then also another thing that I feel like I need to point out about this Arkansas team, I've never seen anything quite like it, how amazing they have been at coming back late in games. They have rallied and erased deficits unlike any team I've ever – I mean, it started very first week in the season when they – we're down in Arlington for that State Farm uh, College Classic, whatever they're calling it, against the the three Big 12 schools that are all really good in Texas Tech, TCU, and Texas. Uh, I mean, they, they had to score runs late, you know, seventh, eighth inning uh, to, to win those games. They've had uh, – they had a, a, a fantastic comeback. I think it was a, against one of the Mississippi schools. I can't remember if it was Mississippi State or Ole Miss on the road. Uh, so – it. They they have the ability to just explode at any time offensively, uh, and and part of that is you know when they when you give them free bases, uh, they're going to make you pay. Yeah, I mean, good good point, Andrew. You look, look at this team, and even you know, I, I think I went and counted it: thirteen games they score ten runs or more. Um, they put up you know tw- in the twenties against some of the lesser competition, uh, eighteen to fourteen decision that might might maybe that was the one you referenced against Ole Miss earlier in the season. So Wes hit on walks for South Carolina. So here, here's where I wanted to go next. One of the best pitchers for South Carolina has actually been their Sunday starter, Will Sanders. Um, he's really been a difference for them, you know, in winning some of these past series where they drop game one, win game two, they're able to win game three because of the disparity in pitchers. Will Sanders not giving up more than one walk in any appearance, any one single appearance this season. Tell us a little bit about Sundays for Arkansas. I saw a couple of the SEC series. <laughs> they have won every SEC series, every series in general. But Sundays, they've dropped a couple games. Uh, still won the series, but dropped a couple games. South Carolina's been good on Sundays. How has Arkansas been? Have they been a little bit more vulnerable on Sunday because of the pitching, as you outlined earlier? I'm pretty sure this past weekend was the first Sunday that they've lost. I'll have to go back and double-check that, but – the last two Sundays have been absolutely bonkers for Arkansas. Uh, two weeks ago at Ole Miss, this was a rubber match. 
and uh, Arkansas jumps out to an 11 to nothing lead. And so you're thinking, all right, you know, they're going to cruise. I can, you know, be, I could get on, I can get started on my story. It's going to be done right when the game ends. It's going to be awesome. And then sure enough, uh, Ole Miss, very, very good team starts chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And next thing you know, uh, it's a tie ball game. Arkansas, I think it won't. So it was 11 to nothing. And it was like 14 to six. And then next thing you know, it's 14-14 in the seventh inning or eighth inning or something like that. Uh, Arkansas ends up winning that game 18-14. to uh, I still am amazed that they were able to, to win that after blowing that massive lead in Oxford. Uh, and so that, that, was, that was wild. And then last week against Texas A&M on Sunday, they had already clinched the series. Uh, they were trying to go for a sweep. And uh, they, they fell behind. Uh, I think it was 10-3, to I think. Or ten to four, uh, after giving up a, a three a three run home run uh, in the sixth inning, and you're thinking, oh well, you know they're going to lose this. But sure enough, they were able to to hit a three run home run that that bottom of that inning and, and get back into it, and were able to. They actually loaded the bases with one out and with arguably their two hottest hitters coming up to the plate, and Matt Goodhart and Caden Wallace, uh, and with down one. Uh, and struck out both times and, and lost that game 11 to 10, uh, really on the verge of another amazing comeback. Uh, so it's really, I think the issue on Sundays is they they have pitching. You know, they, They've been starting in game three, a Lyle Lockhart, who was a, a, a grad transfer from Houston. He had been Houston's Friday night guy, and Houston's a solid baseball program. He, ha- he didn't have great numbers at Houston, uh, but he was – an experienced veteran guy, and early in the, early on this year, he was giving Arkansas consistent, you know, five innings. He he would never go longer than that, but you know, five innings of you know maybe only allowing one or two runs when you've got an offense like Arkansas does, that's usually good enough on Sundays. Uh, but the last couple outings, they've they pulled them early. In my opinion, uh, who am I to question? Dave Van Horn, he's won you know thousand something more games than me, uh, but he he pulled them after. Uh, he, I think he had thrown only 51 pitches and they pulled him in the fourth inning. He only went three. Uh, he gave up a leadoff single in the fourth and they yanked him. And I was just like, why, why would you do that? Cause I mean, you're already asking your bullpen to do so much. And I think Arkansas has a good bullpen. It doesn't really, it's not really reflected in the numbers. Uh, but I think part of that, in my opinion, uh, my take is that they're asking some guys to do more than they should. You know, they're asking a one inning guy to give them two or three. They're asking a situational guy to, that should only be, you know, getting, you know, a lefty out or something like that. They're asking him to go an inning. And so that sometimes leads to uh, inflated numbers. And uh, I think that that, that may be kind of a, an issue for Arkansas, especially uh, this weekend. It's really weird because Arkansas played a doubleheader, two nine-inning games on Saturday against Texas A&M, and then a nine-inning game, uh, and actually one of those went extra, so they played 19 innings on Saturday, and then a full nine-inning game on Sunday, and then they're going to turn around and have to start this series on Thursday. So they've completely reshuffled their their rotation, uh, and they're actually leaving Sunday open right now as a TBA, and to be quite honest, I, mean, I can give you several options of who they would start, but I don't know, and I don't think they'll know until after the uh, the second game. And it could really get hairy if they have to play a doubleheader on Friday. And uh, looking at weather.com right now, that is looking increasingly like a possibility, I think, 100% chance of rain on Saturday. We'll see. Hopefully maybe that shifts or something. Andrew, And you actually took it the direction I was going to go anyway with the bullpen, but um, I was looking just from a statistical standpoint, I know – there's a, a few different guys that, that have saves. Um, is uh, is the cop kid? Uh, I think it's Kevin Cop. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, yeah, is he cops. sort of cops? Okay, sorry. Um, is he the is he the closer? I, I noticed. I, I think a game last week he pitched like four innings. So you, you know you extended him out uh, like you were talking about. But is he sort of if it gets to the ninth inning, all else being equal? and Arkansas has a one-run lead, is he like the shutdown guy that comes in, or, or how do they sort of, in a perfect world, split those things up? So he is their guy. Uh, he, mm-hmm. You're going to see him in wherever the biggest spot is. Um, that, that may mean 
if Arkansas gets a starter who gives them six innings, which hasn't happened a lot, but it did happen in that second game against AM, uh, where uh, Peyton Paulette gave them six shutout innings. Arkansas is clinging to a one-run lead, one-zero lead, and uh, they went to, to Kevin Copps, ideally to give them the last three innings because he is a guy mm-hmm. that can give you extended innings. He could be a long relief guy. Uh, and so they went with him. Uh, promptly gave up a home run to the first guy he faced. It was like the he he ha- he has like a ERA at the time was under one, and he's been in, I mean all American level type bullpen guy. Uh, and uh, but he he ended up going four innings uh, through the tenth inning, and you know luckily Arkansas won it in the bottom of the tenth, or else he was he was going to be done after that. That's probably probably the, the most he would go in one game. But then there's been other ga- uh, other games where. I think it was the Ole Miss or Mississippi State series. Uh, I think it was the Ole Miss series where he pitched, uh, I think, three innings in game one, but he was really efficient, didn't throw many pitches, then pitched an inning in game two, and then also came back and pitched another inning in game three. Uh, he's kind of he's – a, he's a sixth-year guy. Uh, he you know had Tommy John earlier in his career. He actually redshirted his first year. Uh, so he's been around for a long, long time. Uh, he's not a hard thrower. I mean, his fastball is going to be 92, 93, something like that. But his his thing is he's got a, a cutter that is just incredible. I mean, it's it's it fools guys. I mean, he's got an incredible swing and miss rate. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's like somewhere around 30% in, in SEC play, which if you don't know, if, if people listening don't know what that is, that, that's a really, really high number for swing and miss. And uh, he has just been really good about mixing it up, uh, and but he is he is their guy. The other bullpen arms that they have, you kind of you worry about. You know, you're not quite sure uh, what they're going to do. I mean, they may be really good, or they may just completely implode. Uh, very kind of hit and miss. But Kevin Copps, you kind of know, even when he's not great. Like I mean, against A and M this past weekend, he did not have his best stuff, but he's still gave you four innings and only gave up the one run. So uh, he is, he's their guy and you're going to see him in, in a high leverage situation, uh, whether that be game one, game two or game three. Andrew, one more thing that from me, uh, at least that, that I had for you is, you know, you just came from listening to Dave Van Horn, you know, sort of preview the series, talk about his pitching. Did, did anything stand out in terms of his thoughts on South Carolina, whether it's individual matchups, South Carolina as a team, just, your, your, you know, some information from his perspective, from what you heard in his press conference since that's so fresh. Yeah, I think the, the maybe the probably the most interesting thing and something I'm actually going to be writing as soon as I get off of here is is just the way they're going to attack the pitching plan. I kind of talked about it a little bit, but, you know, they're going to be starting a guy named Caleb Bolden in game one. Uh, he's kind of started and relieved. He's been very hit and miss. I mean, his first outing this year, he went, uh, he gave Arkansas four hitless innings out of the bullpen against Texas at that uh, event in Arlington. Uh, so he's going to get the start. He's a right-hander. Uh, they're also going to start a right-hander, Peyton Paulette, in game two. Uh, and then they're leaving game three, TBA. And, I mean, a, an option there would be Patrick Wicklander, but he's a lefty. Uh, but it sounds like – I mean, I haven't – y'all can probably answer this better. I mean, it sounds like righties give South Carolina maybe a little bit more problems – uh, haven't dove into their lineup or anything, but that's what it kind of sounds like. So maybe you get, you know, a Zebulon Vermillion. Uh, he actually missed this past weekend because of some arm soreness, but sounds like he's 100%. He's a guy who has started. He's relieved. Uh, he's been very, very good, and he's been not so good in other outings. I mean, there was a eight innings of one-hit ball against somebody, maybe Auburn or something, uh, where he was really, really good. Uh, eight innings against the Louisiana Tech team that's, top 20, top 15, depending on which poll you look at. Uh, and uh, But then they also get Connor Nolan back from injury. He's missed uh, the past month and a half uh, with an, an arm injury. Uh, but he's back, and he was Arkansas's Friday night starter last year during the shortened season and is also in the rotation as a true freshman in 2019 when Arkansas made it to Omaha. Uh, he's back, and he's also a right-hander. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe he could start uh, – especially if the game's on Saturday, but, you know, it doesn't sound like it'll be that case. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's an option. So just sound – based on what Van Horn said, it does sound like he's looking to go heavy uh, with the right-handers as, as starting pitchers this weekend. 
Yeah, and it's definitely a right-hand heavy um, lineup for, for South Carolina. So that, that makes sense. And they, they see a lot of, a lot of right-handers, I guess, because of that. Um, David Mendham, trying to think off the top, I think David Mendham's their only normal lefty um, in, in the starting lineup uh, off the top of my head. So, so yeah, that would make sense. Uh, Andrew, man, we really appreciate the time. Uh, great stuff. And, uh, by the way, if anybody listening or watching wants to read a little bit more or, or even watch uh, Dave Van Horn's press conference, I think I saw y'all had it up. Uh, y'all can all go over to hogbeat.com to read that perspective. And uh, a couple of people have still been commenting, so I'm going to ask you, Andrew, what um what is the word y'all are hearing your way on the Mike Woods situation? Was that was that as because everybody here has like put the two and two together, like oh he's going to follow Justin's step, uh, you know from what we've heard, um, that's probably not the case. But what uh, what are y'all hearing there? Was that as out of nowhere um, there locally as it appeared to be from the outside looking in? Completely out of left field. Uh, we we kind of got a little bit of a wind of it maybe an hour or two before it made its way to message boards. And I mean, the first time I heard it, I was like, there's no way. I mean, he was going to be Arkansas's number two guy. I mean, they've got Traylon Burks, who's arguably the best receiver in the SEC this year. Uh, And Mike Woods was going to be a really good number two. And uh, just out of nowhere, uh, it does sound like he's probably heading to somewhere like in Oklahoma, something like that's kind of like the hot rumor Mm -hmm. out there right now. Uh, but when it first happened, you know, my first thought was maybe South Carolina just because of Justin Stepp, because he was a guy that was uh, recruited and committed to Justin Stepp at SMU uh, before following him over to Arkansas, and they had a really great relationship. Uh, so it, it is a little bit surprising that it doesn't sound like, at least right now, things could change, uh, that South Carolina is even really, you know, under consideration right now uh, just because of that connection. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, hey, Andrew, again, we appreciate it, dude. Um, enjoy the games this weekend. Should be uh, should be fun on both sides. I was saying when we started, this is sort of you know if you're a fan out there, if you're in the media, these are the type series and games that uh, this is why you follow sports. I feel like so should be fun for both sides, man. Great insight, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, sounds good. Looking forward to this weekend. All right, Andrew. Again, Andrew Hutchinson, Hogbeat.com. Y'all go check him out. Uh, good stuff from those guys. Uh, good good guys all around the Rivals Network. So we appreciate. Andrew joining us and and providing some insight there. Uh, I gotta say, Chris, uh, my takeaway here, I I don't go into this series in any way feeling like a just looking at the stats, b listening to Andrew talk. This is not some unbeatable team. This is not some number one that's just head and shoulders above almost every single team they play. They're at least statistically, and then him sort of confirming it, there are some real vulnerabilities as far as their pitching goes. They're having to sort of shuffle things a bit because the schedule actually worked out a little bit differently for them than it did for South Carolina with a a Thursday. Thursday, Friday, Friday may actually be best-case scenario because South Carolina um, will be set up a little bit better from a pitching standpoint to be able to absorb, you know, having – a full 18 innings in one day if that happens on Friday. So um, I don't know y'all. I like, I'm sitting here feeling like, like South Carolina may, may win this thing this weekend. You know, I think it's possible, man. And I, I, I think, you know, I go into it. This is just me personally, you know, I really go into it feeling like it's 50, 50 for, for a lot of reasons. You know, I think this, the scary thing, if you're South Carolina fan team, you know, player coach, is obviously this Arkansas lineup, as Andrew laid out. They're, they're absurdly good hitting the baseball. Um, they've been pretty consistent with that all year. Not to say there haven't been games where they've scuffled a little bit, keeping in mind that they play. They also play great competition. Again, one of the hardest schedules in the country, I think, Arkansas plays. Um, and you look at some of the numbers they put up, even in the SEC, and definitely against the lesser competition, they, they've knocked the cover off the ball a good bit, and statistically that bears it out. But I think it was interesting, and you, you hit on this, what, what Andrew said, that the vulnerabilities that Arkansas have are real vulnerabilities. I, I don't think he gave the sense that it was just they've had a few games here and there where something's just sort of gone wrong, you know, that, that the vulnerabilities have been evident even when they've won, right? They've, you know, some, sometimes the pitching's let them down. Arkansas's been good enough 
to hit the ball, come back, and win. They've almost blown some leads. This is a team that's only lost six games all year. Uh, they're 30 and six, but they have shown some vulnerabilities, and, and it is on the pitching side. So I think if you're South Carolina, here's what you hang your hat on in, in thinking about this and is that, you know, I go back to Sunday again with the Will Sanders factor, particularly when you look at Arkansas, maybe you thin them out a little bit in the bullpen. Maybe their starter, whoever it may be, is TBA right now on that day, is not going to be as good as a Will Sanders. Maybe you can cool Arkansas's bats a little bit. And South Carolina has been a team that um, at times they've been hot and cold with the bats, but they've shown the ability to hit, right? I mean, they've been able to string together some power when they're on, when they're hitting for power, when they're uh, knocking extra base hits, when they're hitting with runners in scoring position, they're really, really good. And I think you look at Arkansas, they've given up some runs, even in even in games they've lost. They've given up, you know, 11 to A&M. They've given up 14 to Ole Miss, 13 to Ole Miss. You know, they, they, they gave up 16 to Alabama in one game. They lost the game 16 to 1 to Alabama. So, I think South Carolina is going to be one of the better teams they played. Not the best. We'll see. Um, but some of those vulnerabilities, I think South Carolina could take advantage of if they play well enough. Yeah, and ju- just from a statistical standpoint, um, th- that if you're Arkansas, I, and obviously they they have their record it bears it out. They are a really really good baseball team. I'm not saying they're not, but in Columbia, long trip out here. Possibly playing three games in two days. Um, there, they played a bunch of games on Saturday and Sunday, a bunch of innings on Saturday and Sunday, I should say. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I think it sets up well for the Gamecocks because they have struggled to find. You know, you, you look at the teams that have given South Carolina trouble. It's been from really, really talented pitchers, and. You know, and and maybe these Arkansas guys, that's one thing we didn't really ask them about as far as their stuff. Like how how are these Arkansas pitchers extremely talented? They're just inconsistent. I'm sure if they're recruited to that program as good as they've been lately, they're talented dudes. But the just true shutdown type pitchers have given South Carolina trouble. Once you get more to the like good, not great pitchers or then the average SEC pitchers, that's when South Carolina can get things going offensively and actually put up, uh, you know, crooked numbers, so to speak. So, I, uh, you know, even the, the LSU guy that pitched Friday, or I guess it was Thursday technically, that guy, you know, I know what LSU's record was, numbers, ball. I don't care. That guy was very, very talented. That guy had great stuff. So, you know, we'll see. But I, I just – I come in, I, I just like the matchup for South Carolina, at least statistically. I mean – Arkansas leading the planet in home runs right now. But guess what? Statistically, South Carolina's pitching staff, if you look at SEC rankings, South Carolina has allowed fewer home runs than anybody else in the entire conference. So you actually have a a great versus great matchup as far as how these teams uh, sort of intersect. So um, statistics don't win games. I know that. Uh, But at least on paper – there are reasons to feel good about this from a South Carolina perspective. Um, not to mention the fact you are playing it here in Columbia, as opposed to traveling all the way out there to Arkansas, which, which obviously is a, uh, it's just, it's different. That's these, when kids have to travel, it, it matters. There's a reason there's home field advantage in, in sports. So uh, we'll see. It's going to be a fun weekend y'all. Um, yeah. South Carolina has allowed just 24 home runs this year. Again, Arkansas has hit 70, which, uh, according to Andrew, is above the pace when they hit their their record home number of home runs uh, a couple of years ago. So we'll see. We had a question earlier. I think it was T who asked any thoughts on the shakeup in the order with the weekend rotation. No, I mean, I don't think you mix anything up right now. I, I know South Carolina needs to fare better on Fridays. Um, and for the purpose of the show, we're just game ones are Fridays. That's that's what SEC ball is. I know this week it's Thursday and uh, whatever. For their Friday guy is Thomas Farr right now. I know they have not won those games uh, here recently, but I don't think, especially with a Thursday, Friday, Saturday matchup, the number one team in the country, you ride your guy. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But 
I don't think you change anything right now. If it was, you know, may, maybe going into next week when you have a, an extra week of rest or extra day of rest going into next week, I think it goes back to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm speaking out of turn without actually checking that. Um, maybe you look at it, but this week, no, roll with your guys. Hope you can get him a little more. You know, he, he has not had, he's not been quite himself, but he has not gotten great run support either. So it, it's not like, They've just been bashing the cover off the ball in game one, and the pitching staff has let them down. That's not really how it's played out. You've faced really good pitching in games game ones, and then South Carolina's pitching has been like not quite good enough. So um, that happens in this league. We'll see what happens this weekend. But I'm telling you, I'm sitting here on paper. I, I, I like where South Carolina is going into this. So, on the record, I just tweeted it out. You're on the record as a sweep for South Carolina. Good to know. Thank you for that. Yes, 100%. Somebody's going to come back and say two, that. Two out, of, two out of three. My okay. Prediction, two out of three Gamecocks. Um, the, uh, let's see. And Hope says it does go back to Friday through Saturday next week. But, yeah, I, I got two out of three South Carolina. There you I, go. I, I'll be curious to see. And Somebody was asking about the schedule earlier. Nothing official yet on if they're going to have to play the two on Friday. But you can't you can't get to Saturday having known it's probably going to rain, 100% chance of rain, and then be like, oh, sorry, it rained. You know, like this is too big of a series for both teams. That's right. If yeah. you know it's 100% and it remains that way, you got to go ahead and play them Friday, I think. Yeah, yeah you do. And I think, you know, great some great points made earlier. I think it was Lynn Turner said on Facebook, hitting his lettuce down on Friday nights. That's what you mentioned, Wes. Thomas Farr has not gotten great run support. And, you know, I think with Farr, it's a little bit different because th- there's two things. A, you know he has stuff, right? He, that's obvious. And B, there's a body of work, not just from last year, although there was that too, but you had a body of work from this season, the same season that where he was shutting people down and pitching extremely well. Has he scuffled a little bit in the last few starts? Yes. And I will say, to his credit, even then, he's gotten himself in some trouble and has wiggled out of it a little bit like it could have been a lot worse in terms of the amount of runs given up. Um, he's just, in some cases, gotten off to a slower start even before settling down. So would it be significant for South Carolina – if he could return to that beginning of season form, absolutely. But I think bottom line is you're going to have to hit the be- the ball better in game one anyways. And, and that's been the theme. Drop game one because your pitching scuffles a little bit and probably even more importantly, your hitting lets you down. And then game two, you, you eke out a win. Game three, you know, you're able to go and win that game too. So if that's a similar formula, South Carolina surely takes that. You take two of three in the series – obviously against the number one team in the country any way that you can. But I think against Arkansas, especially in, in game one, you're going to have to rely on and count on getting better run support because this is an Arkansas team that's going to be, I mean, call it like it is, they're going to be the most explosive team in terms of power on base percentage thing and, and some of those other metrics that South Carolina's faced all year. Yeah, and like we said, man, they uh, they don't go swinging at, at bad pitches. They will take their walks. So. That's that's me to me one of the most impressive things about their team, not just the pure power, the fact that they uh, they make you they make you get them out, like they they aren't going to get themselves out, and that's impressive. I think you can you can circle at the end of this series, you can circle the number of walks allowed by South Carolina, and if that's a lower number, I feel pretty good about South Carolina winning. If that's a higher number, then South Carolina probably is not feeling good uh, about this series uh, after the fact. So we'll see. Um, we're going to have – normally we have Colin Taylor on, um, obviously, on Friday. We'll probably still – depending on game times and stuff like that, we'll adjust. We'll probably have Colin on on Friday and uh, talk about what happened on Thursday and what's about to happen, you know, the rest of the weekend there. Spring game still right now as we sit, 2.50 p.m. on Wednesday, still on, still planned for 2 p.m. Chris, I, I don't I don't know, man. Like when, when all this first started, I was like, oh, they're definitely going to have a spring game. You don't just cancel a spring game. The more I looked at the weather, the more I thought about the team being banged up anyway, 
the more I looked back at what Shane Beamer said uh, yesterday about, you know, the number of injuries they already have. Um, I hope there's a spring game. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really willing to say, oh, that's just talk. They're definitely going to have it. I mean, do you, do you – I mean, am I alone there? Do you think there's a real chance they could, like, not play Saturday? Yeah, I mean, the the first – where everybody went at that with that at first is, oh, you move it. And then, you know, what we heard from the press conference Shane Beamer had this week was – you know, because you're up against it from a calendar standpoint, that's it's not really feasible. Your options are very limited to move it. So that would just mean you shelve it, you know, because it's the end of spring. It happens to be the last spring practice. It is a spring practice technically. So then you just have to shelve it. So, yeah, I mean, that that's something, I mean, we're going to dig into it. We're still here on Wednesday. We can look at the forecasts. We can say, oh, this doesn't look so great, which it doesn't. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. And it's certainly something I anticipate, man, we're going to be, digging on a little bit more over the next 48 hours or so, but it is uh, serious enough to probably continue to, to check on that and track it. But I'm with you in that. I very much hope that it happens Um, as limited as it may be as less than ideal as it may be with some guys being held out and things like that. I know a lot of the fans are looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it to be able to get a better look and get some eyeballs on some guys. Yeah, no doubt. We'll see. I don't, you know, and like, like we said, you can't really move it back. Um, I don't know if they would – I know, obviously, they were still going to have it on Saturday and there was going to be a baseball game on Saturday as well. Um, You know, would would they push it up to Friday? And, and I mean, there's a lot of logistics that go to the last minute uh-huh. moving something up from crowd control to, uh, you know, the police and as far as how they, you know, get traffic in and out and um, the fact that you may have two – big baseball games against the number one team in the country on Friday. You know, does the athletic department um, want to do all those things at the same time? I, I don't know. Um, we'll certainly see. You also do not want to have guys when you've already – one of the absolute keys to South Carolina this spring was to stay as healthy as possible. And that means avoiding the big one, you know, the big injury. Do you want guys sloshing around out there in the rain for a meaningless game and potentially getting hurt uh, if you don't have to. Yep. Probably not. Um, so uh, so we'll see. And, I mean, we're about to get off here, but I'm going to hit this question from Craig. Is this staff getting a pass with all these injuries? They killed Muschamp about these injuries. I mean, for, for all right, first of all, Muschamp got killed because – of the constant in-season serious injuries. Missing games injuries. Yes, to the point of the fact that if you looked back, it seemed to be a trend both at Florida and at South Carolina. And a lot of people pointed to the strength and conditioning program as being – now, How who can, who can quantify what that – was you know how, how much of that like actually was from that but people at, at some point it got to the point of well this is just there has to be some correlation here I think it's where the fan base as a whole the mindset went fair or not well there's a difference between big season ending injuries some of those are just bad luck um and Spring injuries, part part of the reason with the spring injuries, if they already have a roster where they are thin at DB, thin at linebacker. Um, so if you start having injuries at certain positions, you actually – you literally can't field two teams as part of it. But, you know, knock on wood, for the kids' sake, they haven't had the big injury this spring. And that that's the thing. A lot of these bumps and bruises – guys would be playing in the mm-hmm. fall. So also it's April 21st. So I, I don't think you can, and I say that in terms of how, how long has Luke Day been on campus? You know, you can't implement changes. If you are one of these people who believes that strength and conditioning was to blame for, for the issues, then you can't say, well, 
that that's not something that can be fixed in four months is, is the point I'm, I'm getting at. So um, you also, you know, the question Bartholomew was running second team walk on with the DBs. That's, I mean, they inherited the roster that they inherited and they lost five defensive backs that contributed to last season. So some of the DBs are literally not on campus yet. They're waiting on them to get here because it's the spring, not the summer. So there's only so much a new staff can do at, at this point um, with what they've inherited, you know, and even you can say, well, why didn't they recruit more guys? Well, they have, they're just literally not, not on campus yet. So I, uh, I think we all are going to have to be realistic with the expectations for this roster moving forward and that um, it's not going to, it's not going to be fixed overnight. It's just not. And, um, you know, I, I think a key to this season, part part of the reason injuries are such a big deal at South Carolina is South Carolina has not had the depth to withstand injuries. Every team, every program has some injuries. The really good programs have the injuries and have somebody waiting in the wings who's ready to step in and, and play anyway. Yeah, and – I totally agree with that. I, I will say there have been times by season's end, a couple of the past few years, or even your depth that you have built up is sort of depleted, though, right? I mean, we've, you know, I, I always go back to the the one example that I like to give is is the Clemson game a couple or a few years ago where where Brad Johnson's out there playing and he and he's been sick all week and he plays like a hundred snaps on he plays like every special team and and a ton of defensive snaps because the depth is so depleted at that point by injuries. So I wouldn't get too worried about injuries in spring football. And, and, and we, I don't even know if we should use the term injuries. You have some guys coming off injuries. You have some guys that are a little banged up. Uh, Shane Beamer even said during a press conference, you know, there, there are a lot of these guys that would be playing if it's a game week. You know, it's what we said on yesterday's show, I think it was, Wes. There's a difference between playing injured and playing hurt. If you play college football, you're playing hurt. I, you might go into game week fine, game one, fine. You're playing hurt every other week after that, probably because mm-hmm. if you play football, you're getting hit, you're going to be hurt. So, yeah, I mean, and you go to back to defensive back. I mean, this team has, I think, you know, they're one, two, three, four, five. I mean, there's six or seven scholarship like guys who are listed as corners on this roster. And a couple of those were brought in, and David Spalding and Marcellus Dial are, are guys who are first year in this program. We know Joey Hunter was dealing with an injury. You know, we know Darius Rush had something a while back where he was he was coming off of. So, I mean, there it's a mix. And, and I don't if we're sitting here at week seven of the twenty twenty one season, and half the team's too injured to play. Okay, assess things and and how are guys injured and what's going on. But we're not anywhere close to that at this point. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, to, to answer the specific questions there, Craig, I mean, it's it's easy to see, especially if you're splitting guys up and getting trying to split up the reps. Why a walk on would be number two right now in a scrimmage situation. I mean, you can go back. Joey Hunter's been hurt. I think most of the time, uh, Dom Hill has played, has has practiced, but has been in the blue nine contact. A lot of times, so if you're in a scrimmage situation, you're limiting him. Um, O'Donnell Fortune has played a lot, but, uh, you know, go back. I I think Cam Smith has missed some time in scrimmage situations. So then in that case, O'Donnell Fortune may have been working with the ones, which um, would push your your third or fourth guys up into the second string area. So, um, you know, there was a time when when Marcellus Dial, I I think when we were out there for – uh, the defensive depth guard, Marcellus Dial, um, wasn't on the field, and we saw him come back out. So if if Dial and Cam happen to be out for a practice, then all your all your twos are now starters, and all your threes are now you know that, that's how you end up with second string guys playing um, or, or walk on guys playing as second string guys. So uh, we we all knew. Defensive backfield not a area right now where South Carolina has a lot of depth. They'll have to continue to try to build that. You know, I, I think can can you get some – can some of these kids coming in, you know, Carlin Splatel, he's going to have to play, I think. He's got to play a lot this year for South Carolina. What they can get out of him will obviously determine, um, you know, how, how good and how deep that, that position could be. So we'll see. 
All right, y'all, that's that's an hour right there. We'll appreciate everybody for joining us. Thanks for Andrew Hutchinson for joining us from hogbeat.com. Go check out their site. Great stuff from them. Outstanding job covering that baseball program. If you want to read up on Arkansas before this weekend, you'll have a great idea of what to expect from them. Appreciate his insight. Appreciate all of our listeners, watchers. Appreciate uh, people on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and on the podcast, audio version as well. For Chris, I'm Wes. Uh, we'll, of course, have complete coverage of the South Carolina Arkansas series on GamepackCentral.com, and we'll be back on Friday afternoon to talk about what's happened so far with that and preview the spring game. We'll talk to you then.